Hello, this is Stephanie. And this is Brian. Welcome to our podcast, The Making and the Remaking of a Codependent Mind. This week we thought it would be good to spend more time on the subject of anger and resentment. We've had a number of episodes that have centered around shame because it was a very central emotion to your experience. But you also struggled with both anger and resentment, and they're kind of closely linked. Yeah, they're in the same family, more or less, uh, anger and resentment. And and again, you struggled with both of those emotions. Yeah. They, all, all the way through your life. Right. right. I mean, I, I struggled with emotions in general as far as being able to recognize them and use them properly. But mm-hmm. anger and resentment were ones that were especially difficult for me to handle and ones that I avoided very easily and very well. <laughs> You've used the terms uh, before that you saw emotions either good or bad. I mean, is that how you experienced them or is that how you also understood them? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't actually spend enough time thinking about them, mm-hmm. you know? So I didn't, like we talked about, they were interrupted super early age for me so i didn't have a lot of experience knowing exactly what they were for and as far as i could tell most people in my life had struggled to handle them also so i didn't have good models of directly in my life of people that handled emotions well or correctly or you know in some way that seemed useful or so yeah the good or bad thing was kind of just a feeling it's kind of like oh no i don't like that feeling that's a bad feeling so i think early on in our relationship you did seem to explicitly think that anger was bad, yeah, and that you were doing a good job of not being angry. You, you saw other oh, pe- sure. other people in your life, mainly say Jay or previously R, use anger, erupt in anger. I guess similarly to what you saw with your dad, and, yeah. and maybe with G. And so you would kind of cast it as you were kind of more in control. Mm-hmm. Rational. Mm-hmm. I think there's other people in my life that saw it the same way too. Oh, this, mm-hmm. you're so chill, or you know, you're so mellow. Right. You don't let things get to you, or whatever. But it was not a good thing that I wasn't letting things get to me. At all. But you definitely saw anger as a bad emotion, yeah. like pejoratively, it was bad. And and like I said, mostly because of the way I saw the p- other people in my life use it. Sure. So we mentioned in an earlier episode that. Uh, Aristotle had a theory of emotions, and the way he talked about them, I think it was much more productive than thinking of them in terms of good mm-hmm. or bad or healthy or unhealthy. Right. He described them either as pleasurable or painful emotions. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we would prefer pleasurable <laughs> to yeah. painful, but one is not better or worse than the other. So in terms of painful emotions, we can list some off. Fear, anger. Yeah, shame. Sadness, regrets, embarrassments, mm-hmm. anxiety. I mean, there's a lot of confusion. like kind of ones that are more almost like on the color wheel. Ones that are like prime emotions, and there's one more kind of secondary ones. But sure, yeah. and and ones that are just somewhat painful, and ones that are really painful. Yeah, right, <laughs> and yeah. degrees with anger them. and shame being some at closer to the top of the list of of extremely painful ones. I think, and then we have pleasurable ones that we can also list. Desire and love and... Yeah. Joy, excitement, curiosity. Delight. Yeah. And, you know, so you see the pleasurable ones as being related, kind of, as you were saying, like families of of emotions. Mm -hmm. And then also the painful ones kind of, there's these seem to be natural groupings of them. Yeah. And so we see shame and embarrassment and guilt, for instance, we talked about those as kind of a a grouping. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we fear and anxiety and confusion. That's going to be a grouping of it. So we're taking up anger, resentment, grouping. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. to, to kind of just explore the role that they that played in your life and, and the kind of new way that you've come to understand the role they could play in your life. Yeah, and, and how necessary all of these emotions are and, and, and the importance of listening to them and what they're telling us. So not as a, oh, this is a bad emotion that I need to avoid, but this is an emotion that's telling me something. What's going on? Yeah, that seemed to be the biggest problems with categorizing things as good and bad is that you don't get the information about the world, about yourself, Mm -hmm. that the emotional reaction is trying to clue you into. So like, what exactly am I seeing as bad? Because it feels painful. That's it. I mean, just... I don't like the feeling of it, but who does? Who who likes being angry? It's not a well, but it's, you know, similarly, if we're talking about painful a body a body pain, no one likes to feel say a, a pain in a certain part of their body. It's, it's uncomfortable, but it's a message that's telling us something. Yeah, right. And if exactly. all we do is just like you know, whatever, take a bunch of drugs and cover yeah. up that it's painful, we didn't solve the problem, yeah, <laughs> and it no. could be. It could come come back to be even worse. But there are other problems with deciding off the top whether something's good or bad. Mm-hmm. So that you say, well, no, I'm going to avoid this one because it's bad. Yeah. That it's, I think it's the way you've described trying to kind of mute or avoid or suppress the bad emotions. It's kind yeah. of hard to do that just with bad emotions. Yeah, right. Because it, it was not that clear, really, to mm-hmm. me. I mean, I, this is all stuff I did automatically also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it wasn't always that clear what, what exactly was good or bad even because a lot of times they were rolled up into you know like one particular situation or a person or interaction or something like that could have both and or i could ex- be experiencing something pleasurable but there's fear just behind it mm-hmm. you know and oh you talked about you know shame getting attached to a lot of things yeah. maybe if you if you felt excitement or, or desire um Maybe there'd be some shame mm-hmm. or fear yep. that was somehow wrong or, or yeah. bad to feel that. Or it was going to be taken away from me the mm-hmm. second I like sank into it or something. Mm-hmm. You know, just not, there was no safe pleasure, really. So you kind of ended up muting a lot of the good emotions mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, or at the very least, I would I would allow myself to feel it for a very short period of time, and then it would it would be like, oh, something's going to happen here. I I can't. You know, I I need to stop feeling this this pleasure because i know it's going to be it's going to end and in terms of avoiding ones that were that you thought was bad or you understood as bad or what were really painful like i was just saying with the the physical pain analogy often the more you try to suppress an emotion the larger it gets Mm -hmm. right that's very true yeah i mean and and the more complex i kind of likened it to this this image of this giant ball of emotions where i'm just kind of since none of it's clear and Mm -hmm. none of it's separate it's one of the earliest things i had to learn how to do was separate my emotions oh i'm feeling this now i'm feeling this now but the ball is just kind of i'm i'm sticking things into this ball of emotions and nothing's resolved nothing's clear and then the ball just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I have to release pressure. And some of the pressure, the ways of releasing pressure, the ways we talked about before, like the shame venting and things like or that. Or the self-destructive behavior. Yeah. Using alcohol or something. Just right. trying to manage. Yeah, what can I do to just kind of feel temporarily better um, when it reaches a breaking point almost? There's a, apparently a, a Buddhist parable where the Buddha talks about the second arrow. Then we get hit by an arrow and it's painful. But actually, it's the second arrow that's even more painful. And the first arrow is the one that we can't really control, you know? Okay, yeah, right, sure. Things happen mm-hmm. <laughs> that cause us suffering. But the second arrow is how we react to that. Ah, okay. And then often we injure ourselves and keep re-injuring ourselves yeah. by the way that we handle painful events. In some ways, that's what was happening with you. By trying to avoid these emotions, you actually caused yourself 
more suffering over the over the long term. Yeah, not just because I'm carrying it, but also because I'm ignoring the signals that should be are telling me things like, "Oh, this person's not good. You should not mm-hmm. be associating with this person. You need to get out." So, why did you struggle with anger? I mean, I know we talked about this yeah. in pieces throughout the podcast, but let's bring it together in terms of what are the what about your childhood and you, and the, the relationships in that that caused you to kind of struggle with anger your whole life. Uh, I think it, it was extremely unsafe emotion for me right from the start so unsafe being like there was the way that it was directed at me Mm -hmm. by like my dad and g the way they handled it uh was so extreme and it kind of made me feel responsible to appease or you know just try to diffuse yeah diffuse basically manage their anger for them because they couldn't handle it so anger was became very linked to violence yeah. And the threat of violence. Right. So rather than being this, someone's displaying anger because something bad happened, and then I'm just trying to evaluate how I can get involved or not be involved in this, just like the what a normal reaction to anger should be. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, wow, this person's like exploding or this person's hitting me or something. Like, what am I supposed to do here? I, mm-hmm. I need to stop this. Right. But it was not safe for me to be angry back. So, because that would just make it worse. That, that's that's what I learned through my experience was that uh, that was not available to me to be angry back. So once they got angry, then the game was over. You yeah. needed to go into fawn or, or freeze yeah. or... And then that just became habitual, basically. That that was my that became my reaction to anger. So anytime I saw anger in anyone directed at me or just witnessing it, I would get triggered and I would just go right straight for those, those same responses. And anytime it kind of came up in yourself as well you would suppress it because it's almost like i innately assume two things probably one one being that it was unsafe for me to get angry because that's what i already learned but also what happens when people get angry i don't want to hit people I don't yeah so they're out of control yell at people. they're out of control yeah so anger causes people to go out of control mm-hmm. so and i don't want to be like that because I didn't like that when it was directed at me. Right. So what are the problems then of, of not being able to both deal with other people's anger or deal with your own anger? Th- yeah, then it becomes this situation where, because like we said, it's actually useful emotion. All of our emotions are useful, and it could be a motivating factor towards taking some kind of necessary action. You hear that talked about a lot in the literature of emotions, the ways in which emotions motivate and inform our actions, that that seems to be the evolutionary root of these experiences and anger in particular can be a very motivating response yeah because it's terrifying to take certain actions if you see people fighting or something Mm -hmm. it's like wow i i I don't think i am capable of getting involved in that but then if you're motivated by anger it's like oh wow i need to do something here like this i need to intervene right yeah some like adrenaline and absolutely a physiological response and apparently when they've looked at the physiological response and the anger response, for most people, if there's injustice done against them, it causes anger. But the largest anger response comes from when they see injustice being done to others, especially others that they care about. Yeah, and that wasn't available to me either. And that's horrible. That's not that's not good for the people in your life when you can't recognize or do anything when you know, so this is this goes back to the G friendship too, though, where where that sort of got sabotaged for me. Like watching him abuse other people felt just as bad as when he was abusing me. And it's not just um, a human emotion. Yeah, we've true. seen anger responses in other animals as well. It does seem like a emotion that has to do with 
keeping us safe, both individually and collectively. Right. Yep. Yeah. Our our pack, our tribe, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like we need to defend ourselves sometimes. Defend ourselves individually, yeah, or defend our whole group. Whatever each of us can do. And then or or like there can be collective anger or something where we get to come together and battle against some kind of giant injustice. Which we have done repeatedly. Yeah. Our, our our culture and all human cultures have I've yeah. had to do that, which is not to say that it's a universally positive response, especially how it's managed and expressed. Yes. Because absolutely, because it is so powerful and motivating, it can lead to extremely destructive reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was one extreme where I'm just avoiding it entirely. And then there's the other extreme where people just completely fly off the handle and start attacking or killing people <laughs> with or just even you know, to a lower, lower extent people like like your dad just yeah venting their their anger into the household in the form of, of, of verbal violence which is destructive to the people around them mm-hmm. you know we've talked about codependence and narcissists kind of being two sides to the same coin yeah where a response to perhaps powerlessness and fear and, and potentially shame in childhood can create both a narcissist and a codependent. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like that's like the origin, and then it splits off okay. into these totally different paths. And it's almost like if we look at, for instance, with with anger and the way that that your narcissistic partners expressed or managed anger. Of course, they managed it by outsourcing it to you. Mm-hmm. So if they felt angry, then something that was someone else's fault and responsibility, and someone mm-hmm. else needed to to manage their anger. Yeah. And the codependent is exactly the unfortunately the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. That other people's anger, they see like, oh, that's I. So I'm somehow responsible. Right. I'm I assuming need to ma- that I need to do something. I need about to it. do something. Again, just demonstrating how that connection between codependent behavior and narcissistic behaviors can be so toxic for the codependent. Mm-hmm. And also indicates why it was so destructive in your life because not only were you managing other people's anger when they should have been managing their own anger mm-hmm. you also did not have access to your own anger to be able to stand up against yeah that injustice yeah so I, I'm, I just get stuck time and time again with with people that need their anger managed and also you should be angry with because they're yeah. mistreating you and they're treating right. you badly and they treat other people badly. Yeah, so but, I'm not reading that signal at all. So it, it, it's I'm reading the wrong signal. I, I, my habitually just going, oh, I, this person's angry. It must be my fault or I need to do something here. So I, I it's just knee-jerk reaction of, of make sure this person's not angry anymore. And then it's just this cycle over and over again of doing that on a daily basis rather than going, oh, wait, this is not justified anger. I shouldn't be putting up with this. And in fact, what should be happening is I should be getting angry. Yes, I should be getting angry. About the way that they're behaving, the way that they're treating me. Yeah, I mean, when I go back through my history of those relationships with R and J and stuff, like almost every situation I can think of is just like, wow, I should have got angry right there. My God, this Mm -hmm. person was behaving horribly. But no, instead it's like, oh no, it's my fault. So we have those two responses. We have the, the narcissistic response of my anger is not my problem. I'm going to make it your problem. Mm-hmm. I'm entitled to other people managing my anger yeah. for me. And then you have on the other side of the coin or the spectrum, I guess, is the codependent response in that I'm not entitled to my own anger and I have to manage everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of people in between that. Yeah, uh, as always. For instance, <laughs> as always, yeah, the spectrum. I mean, because it, it is a powerful, I don't think it has to actually be a painful emotion. Yeah. It's really a 
powerful emotion and a motivating mm. emotion. Motivating emotion, right. So it can be disruptive and difficult to, to manage and know how to respond. And I've certainly been around people who have not done it well. I mean, that's mm. kind of also emotionally mature, emotionally maturity. I mean, that's kind of what we see from your dad, yeah. feeling anger and not knowing how to express it kind of productively or respectively or effectively. And I certainly was in a previous relationship with someone who had anger issues. And the issue was a difficulty feeling and managing anger. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of anger suppression and kind of somewhat codependent behaviors in terms of trying to placate. But then eventually it would just kind of explode. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it wasn't actually being resolved or dealt with. It was Mm -hmm. just trying to be hidden. And then it it would explode in a very, again, disrespectful, unproductive (laughs) Yeah. Verbal violence, throwing things. Because, yeah, because and I it think couldn't manage feeling. It's either like I can't feel it, right. or I'm going to feel it in such a way that it takes me over. That's kind of a version of the ball I was talking about a minute. Right, and, that, and that's the way some people. That's the way it works for some people. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like the ball gets bigger and bigger and explodes, but it explodes that way. Now all this anger that I could have been dealing with, you know, in a much milder way mm-hmm. throughout, like I'm not dealing with at all, and then boom. Yeah, and but with me, the ball wouldn't erupt in anger still because no matter what i had to stay away from that that. well so i was just saying that i don't think anger had to be a painful emotion but i guess it becomes painful if you can't do anything about it if you can't let it off if you can't act because again it's powerful it's motivating yeah so if you feel stuck and powerless and you cannot find some way to express or address the anger then i think what some people do or what you seem to have done is to turn it inward yeah as resentment. Yep. Yeah. So that's why I think anger and resentment are so linked. And I think one can lead to the other and the other can lead to the, you know, so anger can turn into resentment because it's something that you were initially, if you have a, a appropriate anger response where you feel something, you sit with it, you analyze it and go, okay, this is justified. I should be angry here. But if you're not doing that, it just goes inside. Yeah, because it's not going to just resolve itself and go away. So yeah, I'm turning it inside now. And we've been playing with this idea of resentment being the anger of the powerlessness. Right. Which is kind of the experience you were just describing. Feeling anger, but not feeling any way to resolve it or Mm -hmm. address it with the person that was causing the anger or the situation that was causing the anger because you felt stuck or powerless in those situations. Yeah, which is pretty much every situation where I get angry. So you would turn it inward and into resentment. So what would be one example, say, of a situation where you would anticipate and perhaps you had an initial anger response, but you felt you couldn't do anything, so it just became this long simmering resentment? Well, I mean, a lot of... Really, when I think about it, it was this is a very quick process that Mm -hmm. happened in my head this turning anger into resentment um but when i go back and sit with almost any direct abuse situation that i can think of from any of those previous relationships i did have a moment of anger here my first impulse is like oh this is not right here they should not be talking to me like this right and but then just very quickly not even consciously at all it's like well that's nothing i can do about that at all there's Mm -hmm. never anything i can do about that i'm permanently basically have to just deal with this and then immediately goes into resentment and then i go into this freeze mode and then now i'm trying to just do whatever i can do to stop this person being angry um but the resentment doesn't go away so that just gets lodged in the ball also so now i have this now now i'm carrying more resentment and when when i was with these people at least once a day multiple times a day something happened that caused that to happen so i just had this massive load of 
resentment. So you had a, a lot of these kind of one-off incidences that, that you resented. And then there were kind of long-term resentments in those in those relationships as well, right? Yeah, right. There were also like these kind of uh, injustices that I saw on a daily basis. So like with Jay, you know, the, the, we talked about when we talked about that relationship, how lazy she was basically not helping around the house at all, just laying around all day or sitting at a computer while I shopped and cleaned and cooked and worked. And a lot of times she didn't even work at all. So really basically just kind of taking advantage of me in every way. And I didn't feel as though I could do anything about that though. I just felt like, well, I mean, I guess this is this is what she thinks life should be like here, and what this relationship should be like. And but in that case, you knew you resented it. You yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah, you, I was conscious of the resentment mm-hmm. at and that you point. Talked about it to other people. Yeah, right. Well, so this that's actually leads me to into the how I did deal with resentment. Sometimes it was never I never dealt with it directly. As in, like I didn't let it convert back into anger, and then direct that anger at the appropriate person. Instead, what I would do is I just would vent the resentment to someone else, someone that was safe, safer. Oh, this person's going to listen to me just complain, basically, about Jay's behaviors. But that didn't resolve the resentment, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Well, and especially because if I said a little too much, then the person would say, well, why are you putting up with that? And I go, well... They would actually probably encourage you to be angry. And you no, I can't be angry. No, I can't (laughs) be angry. angry So that was a a useless exercise, too. You know, really, it's just just always looking for a way to resolve this resentment, but never finding it. So anger turned into resentment is particularly problematic because there doesn't seem to be the same motivating energy behind resentment as there is with anger. But there's still presumably information that it's communicating about the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think resentment can be a motivating factor. if Because I think there's a lot of situations where maybe it sneaks up on you, right? Mm-hmm. Like it could be, well, I mean, I think maybe this happened with you in your previous relationship, mm-hmm. just kind of this gradual build of smaller scale injustices or, or right. poor behavior, but not, not extreme poor behavior or anything. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. So that it's not with anger, it's more in your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is seemed to be a more immediate reaction to, to a situation that's in, in front of you, where resentment, I think, can kind of, yes, build over time because it's not so powerful emotion. Yeah. But I do think that we should take it as a motivation to act. And part of what I like about this idea of resentment being the anger of the powerless is because I find when I start to fall in resentment, that it's useful to ask that question, what power do I have in this situation? Yeah, right, that's good. And if I have some power and I don't exercise it, well, then the resentment isn't really justified. <laughs> right. You're looking for a way to resolve it. Mm-hmm. Do I have power? If I don't, then, okay, what do I do with this? Do I, I need to accept it? Is there some other action, like more indirect action I can take, like leave? Yes. So if in your situation, you resented the fact that Jay did none of the cleaning or the cooking or the grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that seems like outside of the, of the relationship for people who didn't know about the abuse or understand the trauma bond or your, mm-hmm. your codependent habits, it seems like it would just be like, okay, well, 
stop cooking for her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or say something like, hey, you know what? Like, we need to divide the We need to divide it. And if she says no, way. then stop cooking for her. I mean, there yeah. seems to be like a lot of actions you can take, mm-hmm. a lot of power you have in that situation. Yeah. That, that you shouldn't have to be just stuck in resentment. Mm-hmm. But then I just had this permanent stance of powerlessness. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm analyzing each each time I feel resentful, I'm going like, oh, what's my power here? I'm not even, I just assume I'm powerless. Kind of, that was just a default position for me. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to do anything about it ever. <laughs> so we could take resentment, if you're feeling resentment, as an invitation to examine your situation. Yes. And to do an honest accounting of what kind of power you do have or what kind of power you don't have. And we talked about this a little bit in the in the Serenity Prayer episode, that we have a responsibility to ourselves to think honestly about ourselves as agents in the world and to take action. And if you're feeling resentment long-term, it's probably because you're assuming that you have no power or agency. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to look at it, I think. Yeah. So it's a signal that maybe you're stuck somehow in this powerlessness position. And we have to say, it could be the case where you are in a situation where you have very little power and agency. Yeah. So again, when you were a child, and you know, some, often children resent their parents because their right. parents exercise power over them, mm-hmm. and there's really almost nothing that they can do. Yeah, very little say in, in you know, where you go to school and where you right. live and things right. like that, yeah. And even as adults, there's many of us who are absolutely legitimately circumscribed by our circumstances, but we still want to avoid that second arrow of suffering, mm-hmm. even if the circumstances that we are existing in cause us pain, resentment is just going to add to that pain. Resentment without action. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not going to resolve anything for you, and it's not going to resolve anything for anyone else who you're connected with that may benefit from you taking the correct action. Absolutely. So that's our, our updated, more detailed take on anger and resentment. As always, thank you for your feedback and your comments, and also for your likes and follows. Those help other people find our show. You can find us by searching Codependent Mind on Instagram or Facebook, or email us at codependentmind at gmail.com. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another topic. 